Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to start a sermon series titled Devotion and uh, I've, I've been thinking about this topic for, for the last couple of days <clears throat> and I believe that there, there is no more greater time in history where this has become relevant to our lives and I've titled this message The Greatest Reset. Have you ever found yourself in a place where maybe you've got some technology and, uh, and for whatever reason, it doesn't work, it stops working? Has anyone ever encountered a, an issue with a computer? And you just, start, you just start spamming that mouse like there's no tomorrow, like click, 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 click. Come on, you stupid thing, what are you doing? You know, and, and, and it's so frustrating when something doesn't work the way it was intended to work. Maybe you've got a smartphone. Maybe, maybe there's an app that you'd be using for, for the younger generation. And for whatever reason, the, the, the thing that's meant to work and it's meant to respond, it just stops responding. And so what you've got to do is you've got to calm down and you've got to think about this logically because, you know, we all just want things straight away, right? We all want things to work straight away. And yet we've got to take a, take a moment, take a pause, and, and occasionally what we have to do is we actually have to do a reset. We have to stop and we have to actually turn the device off. And we wait for it to turn on again. And hopefully we have success and whatever we're trying to do starts to work again. Who's ever experienced success when that's happened? And you know, when you, whenever you ring the help desk, they always say to you, have you tried switching it off and turning it back on again? Oh, no. I didn't think of doing that. I thought cussing might fix it. I thought, you know, tapping the screen a million times would, would fix it, but it doesn't. And we just have to t- just face the facts that it needs turning off and it needs resetting and it needs to be able to reboot. And uh, our lives can be a lot like that. You know, perhaps, perhaps those men here today that are married may be able to relate to this. Some of the, some of the younger men, you, you'll, you'll catch on soon enough. You're married. And, and you tend to have this this tendency to put your foot in your mouth, guys. Come on, back me up here, please. Oh, come on. You know, there's, there's times where we just, salmon ponds, that's all I can say. And you're going, what is salmon ponds? We're only talking about this last night. We're on the first couple of days of our honeymoon and um, we're driving in Tasmania and, and we're looking at all the sights and all the delights. You know, we're, we're doing the whole thing. And all of a sudden, there's a sign that says salmon ponds. And Rochelle says, we should go and check that out. And I said, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) Salmon ponds, really? Who wants to go and see salmon ponds? And yet, I live to this day to regret that we didn't go and see the salmon ponds. So whenever we're on holidays, and uh, Rochelle says, oh, a strawberry farm. I go, yep, the strawberry farm. Let's go and check out the strawberry farm. We're actually going to Tasmania uh, over New Year's. So um, maybe, hum, we might actually just, um, you know, time's clearly changed a few things. It would appear that I've been let off the hook. You know, but the, the reality is at times it would be great if we could just go back and reset the clock. I mean, 2020, what an ordinary year. Like, it's, it's, it's quite, you know, the irony that, that we actually call it 2020 vision. You know, we, we've gotten to the end of this year and, and, and it's sort of like, well, I mean, what more could life throw at us, really? 
I mean, we've, we've, we've had things as a church. We've had certain freedoms taken away from us. You know, in our workplaces, some people maybe haven't been able to attend their workplace. There's, things have just gone weird. And things can look different to the way that we anticipated them to look. And yet, something went terribly wrong for mankind. And yet, the creator of this universe came and did the most amazing reset for our lives. And uh, I'm just so grateful for what Christ has done for us. You know, there's a lot of discussion around uh, at the moment about the, the, the Great Reset. You know, there's, there's, this, there's this movement, you know, the, the World Economic Forum, and they're talking about, you know, resetting things and whatnot. You know, it's, it's, it's not a new idea, and, and they may have their, their own reasons, and there may be an agenda behind that. But you know what? That pales into significance when we think about the greatest reset that Jesus Christ did for each one of our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to put my foot in my mouth. I have a tendency to just do some stupid stuff from time to time. Not intentionally, but it just happens. And yet, through all that, God says, I still love you. I still, I still want you to serve me. I still want you to, to have a relationship with me. Come back to me, son. Come back to me, daughter. Whatever, you know, we, wherever we find ourselves, God wants to reset and, and allow our lives just to continue on the journey that he has for us. And so what ought our response be today to a loving father who loves us that much? And so this morning, uh, I just want us to take a look at um, the life of Zacchaeus and uh, his encounter with Jesus. And uh, we want to draw some um, points from there. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And... Uh, if you haven't got your Bibles here today, uh, it will be on the screen for you. So we're going to pick the story up, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. It says, In the city of Jericho there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus. He was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of people, of the people. So he ran ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree, some say sycamore tree, so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down, hurry on down, for I am I'm appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. Verse 7, as Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own I will give to the poor, and Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you and your household. For you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and to give life to those who are lost. You know, I, I find this one of the most amazing verses in the Bible of, of a repentant heart. For a start, Zacchaeus the thing that impresses me about the story of Zacchaeus was that he was eager to see Jesus. He was eager to, to see what all this fuss was about. 
And so he took it upon himself to position himself in a place where he was able to catch a glimpse of Jesus as he came by. Not only was this the most uh, amazing thing for Zacchaeus to do because he was so keen. There were crowds around about him. We hear that he was a short man, short in stature. And, uh, but when Jesus had this encounter with Jesus, there's no, there's no recording here of, of a sinner's prayer. There's nothing here saying where Zacchaeus says, you know, uh, uh, look, I, I, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. There was no formalization of that, but there was a change of heart. And, you know, I believe that that's what God ultimately is wanting to do in our lives. He's wanting there to be a change of heart. You know, the Bible says that, that God, man looks at the outside, man looks at the exterior, but God looks at the heart. And so God's vitally, he's, he's so interested in what you and I have in our heart. I'm not going to preach long today, but I just want to draw out seven points for us to consider uh, through the story of Zacchaeus. And number one is this, that Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus for all the right reasons. You know, there was many in Jesus' day that had just heard about the miracles. There was many in Jesus' day that had just heard about um, people getting fed. And, 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 you know, fish getting turned into multitudes of baskets of leftovers and, and bread and, and, and people being provided for in the most amazing way. And it appeared that wherever Jesus went, there were crowds of people that went as well. But, you know, Jesus was very clear that not all those people were there for the right reasons. And see, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. But I believe it goes one step further. I believe that Zacchaeus wasn't just keen to see Jesus, but he was eager to meet with Jesus. And I, I wonder, and the challenge for, for us is, how, how eager are we to meet Jesus for the right reasons? Because we can come to Jesus with, with agendas. We can come to Jesus with, with all sorts of stuff, all sorts of expectations that quite honestly may not line up with his will for our lives. And so the challenge for us is, do we come to Jesus for all the right reasons? The second point is this, Zacchaeus knew he didn't measure up. Any short people here today? <laughs> Anyone willing to admit that they're on the shorter side of the scale? Yeah, okay. we, got, we got a couple of honest people here today. I don't come from a family of tall people. As you grow, you realize that, that not all things are created equal. And, and if you're on the shorter side of things, sometimes it's a little bit tough to get clothes to fit. You know, you, you end up putting on a pair of jeans or something like that, and you've got like about six inches, and you're going, well, what am I going to do with that? You know, I mean, I've still got to get a boot on the end of that. I can remember having to get alterations done and, and, and all sorts of things because I seem to be one of those shapes. I know I'm not overly short. But we'll also get customers' car, cars coming to work. And uh, these days, people have these automatic reset seats, you know. And uh, as soon as you put the key in the ignition, you're about, and you're getting closer and closer to the steering wheel. And, and it's kind of like the scene out of Return of the Jedi when they're, when they're in the compactor. And you go, I'm good. You know, it's tough being short. Zacchaeus knew it was tough being short. Zacchaeus knew what it was like to be short, but there was something else with Zacchaeus because 
I believe he realized that he didn't actually measure up. And, you know, we can come to God, we can come to Jesus with this anchor, if you like, that we just don't measure up. We can, we can have accepted Jesus Christ as our, our Lord and Savior. We can have asked him into our heart, and yet condemnation wants to come around about our minds and say, you know what, you, you just, the enemy wants to speak to us and say, you, you still don't measure up. You know, there's this and there's that and there's something or other else. But, you know, the reality is none of us will ever measure up on our own. It, it takes the, the life of Christ for us to actually be able to measure up to what is right. And so I believe that Zacchaeus knew that he didn't measure up. His life didn't measure up. As a matter of fact, if you look at histo- uh, the history of tax collectors, and, and, and it was known that, that people like Zacchaeus, they got rich because they actually took more than what was required. There was a tribute that had to be paid, but, but these guys could basically, you know, ask whatever they wanted. And, uh, you know, Zacchaeus was a, a very wealthy man, and he was not a liked man. And he realized that there was areas in his life that needed adjustment. He didn't just need to go to the, to the, to the, you know, the suit maker to have the trousers adjusted because he couldn't buy off the shelf. Poor old Zacchaeus can sympathize with you there. It's terrible when you can't, can't buy off the shelf. It's terrible when the sale rack is all extra larges or extra smalls. Nothing in between. He knew what it was like to not meet a certain standard. I love this quote of Graham Cook's, and it says, "This something got finished before you even started. I want you to think about that statement for a moment. Something got finished before you even got started. See, I, I believe that Zacchaeus realized that, that he needed Jesus. He needed what Jesus had to offer, but he would never measure up in himself. And I believe that, that God, through his spirit, wants us to realize that we'll never measure up on our own either. We will never have what it takes to work this life out on our own. We need a Savior. We need God to intervene. And and that's what he did through the life of his son. He came and he hit the reset button on our lives so that we could be restored to him again. But not only restored, to know that before we even got started, Jesus was the answer. God looked through the the, the pages of history, through 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 time, And he said, I'm going to have a plan for people to come back to me. And I think that's just the most remarkable thing. The third point is in verse 5, and that is that Jesus was already pursuing Zacchaeus. I think it's really neat that even though Zacchaeus felt that he was in pursuit of Jesus, that actually it was Jesus that was already pursuing Zacchaeus. Jesus had already seen Zacchaeus up the tree. That was the first place he looked. You know, and, and I know in the story of Nathaniel, um, it says that, you know, whilst he was under the fig tree, Jesus saw him. And friend, I, I want to encourage you this morning that you may be in a place where you feel that you've been pursuing and, and, and you're, you're going after something. But can I encourage you with this, that Jesus is already in pursuit of you. Jesus loves you. Jesus just wants to enter in to your life. He just wants to come and take that place of preeminence in your heart. He wants to allow you to see all that he created you to be. With no, nothing holding us back, nothing causing us to hold our lives back from him. The fourth point is this, that Jesus was always on the lookout for diners 
whilst providing an objective word to the whiners. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was always on the lookout for diners whilst providing an objective word to the whiners. Wherever Jesus went, (laughs) there were always people that were hungry. There were always people that wanted to have a whinge. Oh, if he only knew what sort of a woman that was, you know, Jesus knew. Oh, if, 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 what, what sort of a man is he that he goes and he, and he has, you know, tucker with, with sinners? If he only knew what, what Zacchaeus did, if he only knew that he ripped me off 50 bucks last week, I was only meant to pay him 20, but he asked for 50. He's a rotten scoundrel. He ought to know the difference. You know, wherever Jesus went, there are always detractors. There were people that were like hungry and there were people that were just whiny. Maybe that's where the term wine and dine, I don't know. But Jesus, he sees the heart and he goes after the ones that want to truly come and sup with him. I love it that, that Jesus, Jesus loves us that much that he would pursue us and that he'd want us just to dwell in that place of knowing that we're loved, knowing that we're valued. The fifth point in uh, verse 8, Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus. We have a choice whether we will joyously welcome Jesus as well. Will we be people that, you know, will give Jesus what's left over? Or will we be people that joyously welcome all that he has for us? That's what Zacchaeus did. He joyously welcomed Jesus. The sixth point, consider where you stand. We need to consider where we stand, verse 6 and verse 8. And I just want to touch on that again. Uh, in verse 6, it said, so he, he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord. You know, there's something about us looking in the face of Jesus. Because I've found in life, there's, there's so many distractions that will stop us from looking in the face of Jesus. There can be something going on over here. There can be something that, that's come on the television now. There can be some new restriction or there can be some new easing. There can be something, there can be something else. But you know what? All the time is that, that we've got to position ourselves so that we're looking unto Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we can, we can look at so much stuff and we can give so many other things our attention, but at the end of the day, we've got to position ourselves to look at Jesus. You know, I can recall the, uh, the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of the earth will go, grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Amen. We look unto Jesus. And the last point is this, that Zacchaeus' devotion led to a promotion. Zacchaeus' devotion led to a promotion. Jesus finished by saying that that the the attitude, the shift that had taken place in Zacchaeus' life, now this is a true son of Abraham. And I wonder how many Pharisees may have actually heard Jesus say that. And how much... That would have brought umbrage to their life and and upset them. But Jesus said, no, no, no. It's not what's happening on the exterior. There's something that's just transacted inside this life. And Jesus 
is longing for you. He's longing for me to allow him to come and just transact on the inside of our lives, cause a shift to take place that we'd be people that would also devote our lives to him. Not just a part of our lives. See, this wasn't just a partial, you know, off-the-cuff decision that Zacchaeus had made. This was life transformational. This was like, I am turning my life around. I'm doing a whole 180. I'm not going to take this bit and leave this bit. Jesus, I'm all in or nothing. And I believe that that's the challenge for our lives is, are we all in? I want to be a person that's all in. That's my heart and my prayer, that we are people that are all in for him. Romans, uh, I haven't got this verse on the screen, but Romans 2 and 29 says, A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. A person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not people. You know, the enemy will always want you to seek your approval from other people, but your approval comes from God. Your approval comes from the Father. I just want to finish by sharing a story. Uh, some people maybe uh, have heard of uh, Soren Kierkegaard. Um, other people may not have, and you might have to uh, apologize for my pronunciation of his name. My Danish isn't great. Um, he was a Danish philosopher, theologian, poet, social critic, and religious author. In an article published on February 28th, 2020 by Karen Wright Marsh titled The Startling Prayer Life of Soren Kierkegaard, she had this to say. Soren could not shake his suspicion that beyond abstract religious dogma, there actually was a divine reality, that is, the person of Jesus, who would demand a startling commitment. But at the unwelcome prospect of a full spiritual conversion that would surely offend his reason and clash with his emotions, Soren determined to try everything else before he became seriously a Christian. If Jesus held a radical cure, it was not a medicine he was prepared to take. Not yet. One Sunday, Soren read the gospel story of the disciples who, frightened at their teacher's crucifixion, took refuge in an upper room. Soren felt much like them, conflicted and scared, at once relentlessly seeking the divine, studying theology and even reading scripture, and yet hiding out from the living God. The disciples were taken completely by surprise when Jesus showed up saying, Peace be with you. If Jesus was going to get to him too, Soren realized it would only be through firmly locked doors. And yet, unexpectedly, that is just what the risen Jesus did. On May 19th, uh, quite a relative date, my birthday, but not 1838, Soren had a, de- a decisive spiritual experience, a feeling of indescribable joy that was inexplicable to his national realization that at his core, he was a person found by God. You know, I believe this encounter that, that Soren had is, is almost like a modern day Zacchaeus moment, where it's like this realization that God has already been in pursuit of my life. And all I have to do is I just have to open up my heart and let him, and let him have his way. I just have to open up my life and devote my life to full in service, all in service. I'm all in for you, not partially, but all in. And I believe that God is prepared to do for us, for you, 
what our, our rational mind will never comprehend. God is wanting to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And that's beyond what our rational mind can comprehend. And, and this is a place where Soren found himself. And perhaps you're here today or perhaps you're listening to this, to this podcast at a later date. And, and you're saying, well, I don't know if I'm just prepared to take that step. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm prepared to be all in for Jesus. Friend, can I encourage you that there is no greater decision and no greater need will be met through Jesus Christ because Jesus is the way, he's the truth and the life. And he has a plan, he has a purpose for your life. And I don't know where you're up to today, but Jesus wants to come and have fellowship with you. He wants to come and show himself strong in your life. And I know that his spirit is always in pursuit of those that he's called. See, ultimately we are people that are being pursued by an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, all-forgiving, all-merciful God. And this morning, just like Zacchaeus and Soren, how prepared are we to allow the Lord to hit the reset button on our lives? How, how prepared are we to allow God to have his way and to touch our hearts and just to be God to us and to be real to us? You know, I don't know about you, but I want to be more fully devoted to him. And I believe there's always room for more in him. I want to finish with this last scripture, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3. We're reminded here, commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. Hey, will we be a church? Will we be a people that are prepared to respond to his will? Respond to his guidance for our lives? My prayer is that you will be and that we will be and we'll continue to grow in our love and knowledge of Jesus. I'm going to pray here in a moment, but I just want to give people the opportunity to respond to Jesus today. If you're in this place and perhaps you've been contemplating what it is to be a Christian, perhaps you're just inquisitive as to what this life's all about. I want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life and to reveal himself to you. Perhaps you're here today or you're listening to this podcast and, and you've known the Lord and, and you've drifted away. Well, friend, today is a day just to reconnect to him again. Our God is a God of endless second chances. He just wants you to come just as you are right now. And if that's you in this, in this place today or listening, I just encourage you to pray this prayer and, and I'll get the church to pray it with us today. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I also believe that you rose from the grave again. I accept what you have done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sin. Forgive me, Lord. Come and be my Savior. Today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If that's you today and you're here and you've prayed that prayer for the first time, can I encourage you to come and seek me out after the service? I'd love to pray with you. I'm going to invite the band to come up and uh, we're going to finish with a song today. And I uh, just encourage you just after the service today, would you get around some people and uh, encourage them? And uh, our prayer to you this week is that you'd have an amazing week. And uh, we look forward to uh, being with you again real soon.